Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. We are one week out from Thanksgiving, guys. So this episode, all about the big day. First up, Carla Lolly Music, our food director, talking about the big four. That would be turkey, gravy, mashed potatoes, and stuffing. You nail those, and you have nailed the meal. Carla's been here for, God, I don't even know how many years at Bon App, but she's tested and tested and retested and developed and sort of worked on every imaginable iteration of those dishes you can imagine. So Carla and I sit down and talk the best of the best. And after that, I talk with Rembert Brown, who wrote a beautiful piece in our November issue entitled, Thank You God for This Food. Amen. It's about Rembert's growing up in Atlanta, his family's Thanksgiving, the conversations, the traditions, the cast of characters. Oh, yeah. And, of course, his mother's mac and cheese. Before we start, though, another reminder to rate and review us on iTunes if you dig our show. But now, let's do this. Here's Carla and me. Okay. I'm ready. All right, Carla. Last year, for the very first time ever, mm-hmm. I cooked thanksgiving dinner like start to finish the whole thing me too really yeah i'd never hosted before it's not easy to rest from your parents the thanksgiving meal it actually took me two years meaning what well i was supposed to host the year before i did but then my mom took it back wow yeah it was kind of intense she had some invites that were out there and you know she felt bad about taking them she didn't she didn't feel that bad not bad enough. Carol, Carol Lolly would do that. <laughs> she was like, just one more time. So, It's right. hard. It's hard. I had a whole oven temperature thing. I was like, oh, I've written about this. I've edited recipes about this, but now it is happening to me. A couple of years prior, I did this thing where I was like partially hosting, but everyone was bringing, and the only thing, I was doing like one thing. I might have turned off the oven because mm-hmm. it's got those electric controls when I mm. thought I was changing the temperature. Uh-huh. And then my brother's turkey came out of the oven like an hour and a half later than, oh, geez. than originally planned. So That's we, okay. We had, it's just the turkey. Yeah. We had a lot of very drunk guests by the time we sat down at the table. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what I want to talk about today is let's say you're going to host. I want the listener. I want the reader. I want everyone to be able to like, let's nail the essentials at least. You know, like if you want to have friends bring this and that and have 17 pies and all that sort of stuff. But let's let's like, let's crush the basics. So yeah. I want to walk through those with you as, as featured in our November Thanksgiving issue. Uh, bon Appetit, says, the cover line says, Thanksgiving lessons, we've got plenty of them. Sure do. And it's packed with all these lessons that you have gleaned over the years as test kitchen director because mm-hmm. you've tested a gazillion recipes, right? It's Thanks. Thanksgiving in July, like this is my eighth year or something. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to I'm gonna start, if that's okay. Okay. I want to talk about the essentials. And in my mind, the essentials are, maybe I'm wrong, mashed potatoes, stuffing, gravy, turkey. Correct. I mean, dessert, okay, but like in terms of the meal itself, like if you, those are the you have to have those four, right? You could only have those four. And I think is is an arguable case to make. Yes. it's like a meat plus three. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like some people say, oh, you gotta have cranberry sauce. I'm like, you don't have to have cranberry sauce. Like, you know what? You can keep your little sweet potatoes with the marshmallows. Like, no, I don't need those. All right. Let's start with mashed potatoes. Those are my favorite things in the world. That's what I make. Even before I hosted, I made, I was responsible for mashed potatoes going back probably 15 years. Okay, so first first question. Mashed potatoes. What kind of potatoes am I buying? Uh, you're going to buy Yukon. Yukon Golds. Why? They're a waxy potato. They're easy to get. They're very consistent. So mm-hmm. potatoes, like, you know, potatoes change. And a Yukon, you're just not going to go wrong. If you have a ton of confidence and you want to branch out, that's fine. Go to the farmer's market and get a waxy potato. But 
if everyone used a Yukon gold, everyone would have beautiful, creamy, golden yes. mashed potatoes. I feel like whoever branded Yukon gold potatoes is yeah. a very smart person. It's a good name. And you see them at the grocery store, you're like, oh, Yukon gold. Yeah. Yukon gold, they're just consistent. You can get them the same size. You're never not going to be able to find them. And the difference between using a Yukon gold and, say, an Idaho, mm -hmm. which is a great baking potato, if you make mashed potatoes with an Idaho potato, you get more of like that dry, fluffy texture. And yes. with the Yukon, you get more of a heavy, fatty, luxurious, That's so stretchy texture. That's fascinating because growing up, my mom would always make mashed potatoes with Idaho. Idaho is the same as russet, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know that texture of which you speak. Yeah. And I've always made my mashed potatoes with Yukon Gold, and they've always been, yeah, they're, they're, they're a little bit more richer. Luxurious. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay, so that, that, I realized that, but without realizing it. All right, so you buy a bunch of potatoes. In our recipe here in the magazine, for eight servings, you want to start with four pounds of potatoes. Right. Which, which is not as many potatoes as you think. Well, this is a question that every year, doesn't matter how many times you've hosted, there's that moment like 10 days before when it's like, how many pounds of mashed, yeah. how many pounds of potatoes do I need? again for how many people and this is a generous ratio one pound of potato for two people yeah basically and then you can just scale up from there all right, so, all right, so you got you, you got your four pounds of potatoes. Yeah. You peel them? No. no. And what? Andy and I fought about this. I was shocked and amazed that he did not peel the potatoes after cooking them. I'm not saying you have to peel them before, but I always peel them after. Like, wait, wait, who peels potatoes after? Like, what are you talking about? It's just so much easier. They slip right off. Not if they're hot. Well, obviously, but, <laughs> but why? <there's, laughs> I didn't say pluck them there, out of the boiling water. Yeah, but there are these things called vegetable peelers. Uh huh. They work really well, especially that brand OXO, which, you know, a lot of people like. So we're talking about something that is smaller than a tennis ball, right? And you've got, um, I don't know, how many times did did eight people come over for Thanksgiving? No, it's more like you're hosting for 16. So you have eight pounds of potatoes. These are Yukon Golds. They fit in the palm of your hand. Peeling all of those with a vegetable peeler when they're raw is a lot harder than... Hey, dude, dude try joining the Army. What do you think? You know, like, I don't want to hear about it, all right? <laughs> well, the thing is, you don't have to peel them at all. But in my book, I, I totally understand the logic of cooking a potato with the, with the skins on or mm -hmm. with the jackets on, if mm -hmm. you want to say that. Um, because they don't absorb as much water. They don't get mm. waterlogged. They don't get all, like, too saturated. You want them to absorb the milk and the butter. And this recipe also has a little bit of cream, I believe. Yeah. He's boiling them whole. Right. Until they're tender but not crumbly, 30 to 35 minutes. Drain, briefly rinse with cool water to remove any excess starch, and return potatoes to a warm pot off heat to dry while the heat while you heat the milk mixture. So if I were Andy, yeah. I would be at home reading this recipe, and I'd be like, that's all fine, young man, mm. but I'm also going to peel mine. Because mm. I've done it both ways. I've spent a lot of time making mashed potatoes, and I don't like any little brown flecks. So in Andy's book, which is the book we're talking mm -hmm. about, after the potatoes are cooked... Whole, whole, put them back in the pot on. so they steam and a lot of that excess Some moisture. Some of that extra moisture comes off and then they go through either a food mill or a ricer. And Andy's contention is that when you put them through a food mill or a ricer, a lot, most of that skin gets left on the other side of the fence. That was his argument. Okay, so you, you put the mashed potatoes through a, a food mill, which is the hand crank thing, or the ricer, which looks like a giant Play-Doh. looks like a giant like garlic press. Exactly. You extrude it. You have this nice fluffy potatoes. Yep. 
you're adding hot milk at that point or what are you doing? It's an infused milk and cream mixture. And I thought this was really a smart thing to do and something that I would definitely replicate because you infuse the mashed potatoes with this milk and cream that's been heated with a good amount of garlic, an entire head of garlic, a generous amount of rosemary, and is seasoned itself. So the milk and the cream, the fat in that dairy, like carry all of those flavors into the mashed potatoes without having like. But you're re- but you're removing the garlic. Yeah, and the exactly. Rosemary. So it's not like you're you're squeezing cloves of roasted garlic yeah. into the potato. It's just that all of that flavor is in the milk and the cream, and then that just like emulsifies into the potato. Okay, so now this is something which I feel like this is something that my mom did, and I probably do, that she would always melt the butter into the milk you could do that you could do that but mm-hmm. uh, i think a lot of you sort of frenchy people like to do chopped up room temperature or cold butter folded into the potatoes yeah not cold butter i actually put my butter into the food mill as the potatoes are passing through so they oh. just like they all get sort of passed through at the same time okay um but you wouldn't do cold because you don't want to cool down the yes. potato mixture at all okay but you can you know andy has you put the butter in first and then follow with the the milk and cream mixture and that's it salt and pepper salt and pepper yeah taste delicious that's it that's it oh can i say this can i add something please especially at thanksgiving when you're making things a little bit ahead and we talked about this on a macaroni and cheese podcast you and i recently you you need a bit more liquid than you expect to yeah. get those potatoes really creamy and moist. Totally. There should be a moment when you're making mashed potatoes where you should be scared that you ruined them. <laughs> <laughs> and especially if you're making them a little bit ahead, which I totally recommend and believe in and totally believe in reheating mashed potatoes and not doing that in a double boiler. You just, re you know, you can keep them warm. They need to be loose from the beginning. All right, Carla. Yes, sir. If you have mashed potatoes. Yeah. You know what you need with them? I do. What? Gravy. You got to have gravy. You got to have gravy. And that I, I contend that, that this is the most intimidating, daunting thing to make at Thanksgiving. It just shouldn't be. But it is. People freak the F out about They're like, I, the pan drippings and the uh, turkey's resting. And do and I, do do I skim it- the fat? And do I need one of those separators that you get at the, the place that has a nozzle and like or the spout or whatever the hell it is? And how do those things even work? And I just feel like every adult should channel calmness around gravy so that the next generation will have only these like wonderful, calm and fond memories of gravy being made. So how, how do you make gravy? What, are you asking me or are you asking me what we put in the magazine? You can do either. Just tell me. They want to go, people, if people want to go on the internet and look at these recipes, they can on bonappetit.com. So the way that I would make gravy, mm-hmm. I actually don't make gravy because Carol Lolly makes the gravy. But the way that I made the gravy at my own home was more similar to how we have it in the magazine. So the way that I would make gravy is the first thing I would do maybe a week or two before Thanksgiving. I could even do it this weekend, many weeks before Thanksgiving. Um, is make a really good poultry stock. And when you say poultry, it could be turkey, could be chicken, does it, it matter? It could be a combo. Mm. Turkey, chicken, and uh, Brad Leone, whose stock recipe we use on a daily basis in the test kitchen, um, he puts a ham hock Ooh, in his. for a little depth. A little depth. He loves, he loves anything gelatinous, that guy. you know. And that porky flavor, it's not like anybody's going to be mad about a little porky flavor. And that's a very <laughs> inexpensive... Uh, you know, easy to get little knuckle or bone. Yeah, and I'm looking at Brad's recipe right now, simply called 
Thanksgiving stock. I mean, very creative. I uh, got a couple <laughs> pounds of chicken wings, two large turkey wings. Uh, you got some olive oil. You got your onions, carrots, all that sort of stuff. Some criminy mushrooms. One smoked ham hock, and you get some parsley. Yada yada yada. He does a thing where he browns the uh, he browns the, chicken the bones, wings, yeah. which is nice. It's just like more flavor. Yeah, just deeper, more flavor. I would do that actually. I'd roast the bones and deglaze it with some water, and then transfer everything. Add your hock. Add your parsley stems. Some leek greens. You got a carrot. Put it in there. Celery. I don't believe in the. The kitchen soup mentality of making stock. Do you mean I don't, kitchen sink? I do. I mean kitchen <laughs> sink. Yeah. Which then, once you put it in the pot, becomes a kitchen soup. Um, in terms of just throw whatever you got yeah, in the fridge in? Yeah. You don't want to put very like strongly flavored things in yeah. there or crappy looking soft vegetables or like just because you have an overripe tomato, like please hey, don't put hey, it oh in no. there. Yeah. So you stick with the classics. Parsley, peppercorn, leek, a carrot, an onion, a shallot, whatever. It's time to make the gravy. It's time to make the gravy. So you've roasted your turkey. Your turkey comes out of the pan. You drain off the fat. A big turkey's got to rest for like an hour. Easily. And that's plenty of time to kick everybody out of the kitchen and say, you know, go have another Manhattan or whatever, and I'll I'll be in here alone. That would be great, wouldn't it? But that never happens. No, because everyone wants to hang out. Everybody wants to be in the kitchen, and that's when the turkey comes out. Everybody thinks that's like a great time to come in and be a jackal. Yeah, it's where the action is. People have come into the kitchen and ripped off pieces of like turkey butt and crispy skin. Mm, That's so hard not to do, though, because it's because it is the best part. I like after they someone carves the turkey. There's all like the sort of the drippings and the little bits mm-hmm. and everything on the cutting board after oh, they yeah. kind of scoop up and put all the the nice, nicely beautiful like breast meat pieces on the thing. Just that detritus left over. That's where to I like be. To, I like to swoop in then. That's where to be. Yeah. I kind of want to split the difference with this. I have never made a roux in the roasting pan over the two burners. I think that that is actually really difficult. Okay. So then what do you recommend? So I would deglaze the pan. So I poured the defatted it right. I poured the fat out of the pan. Which pan? The roasting pan? The roasting pan. pan. Okay. And then I would take some of my stock and I would deglaze the roasting pan. Over burners. Over burners. Yeah. So you you have all the crispy bits on the bottom of the pan. You pour out the excess fat. Right. You splash in some stock. It's simmering. And you got like one of those like flat sort of like wooden spatula things you're scraping. Yeah. And then I would pour that from one of the corners into the pot that I'm going to make the gravy in. I totally don't understand. So then you... you so I loosen everything up. Yeah. I got all the bits. Okay. I've got the juices. Mm-hmm. I have some of my stock reducing. And then I pour that into a new smaller pot. And then what do you do? Then I do a bourmonier because that's what Carol Lolly does. Why do you got to bust out the fang- fancy language again? So a bourmonier is a raw roux. That's all it is. So what it's do you do? butter and flour. Equal amounts of butter and flour that are mashed together with a fork, which was one of my jobs when I was little. And I loved the soft butter and the flour. Okay. And you make a paste. And then that's your thickener. So you... Whisk that into the whatever pan drippings you got with your stock and adding more stock. And you basically whisk in this butter and flour mixture until you get the consistency you want. And that's it. It's pretty much it. Damn, that's clever. I know. I like it. But I like it too. But you have to make sure that you, if you because the flour is raw, you, you have to simmer it for a while. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to be like have that gummy flavor. And we recommend, I'm looking at the recipe now, we recommend... It says three tablespoons. This is for eight servings. Three tablespoons unsalted butter. I also have a Thanksgiving. It's like 
what a serving is is very debatable yeah. you know well i'm having four servings myself <laughs> exactly so is that like for one person or just for two people and that's why i said our mashed potato ratio is very generous because we you want leftovers gravy yeah. you must have leftovers you gotta have and then so it says three tablespoons butter and then one quarter cup wondra or all-purpose flour wondra is that super fine powder uh, that restaurant chefs love, and it's great for like if you're ever like, sautéing fish and you just want a, a thin coating, a crispiness on the outside. Yeah, it's the powdered sugar of flour. I was gonna say that. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, that was gonna be my line, uh, and, that, and so it blends really well. Right. Um, it oh, so that's so cool. Well. So you can do that ahead of time, and then it can just be waiting on the stove for you. Totally. When you're and after the turkey's rested for an hour or 45 minutes, 100%. depends on how big your bird is. Um, okay, I'm feeling confident about that. Yeah. And then you also recommend sometimes people will add a dash of like Worcestershire sauce or that sort of thing. Um, but a little yeah. vinegar is will be surprisingly delicious. A little cider vinegar, sherry vinegar, just a little because the stock is it's rich. It's it's meaty. It's dark and roasty. It's buttery. You need something to cut through. Just that, a little that, bit. Yeah. Not like you're not making vinaigrette, but just it'll brighten it. It'll make it more delicious. My favorite part of Thanksgiving is when I get my mashed potatoes mm -hmm. and I make the, the swimming well. pool. Yeah. And then I pour the grape. I just love it so much. I, I've had that moment before where you do that and someone, like, when they don't steam off the potatoes enough and the mashed potatoes are wet. Yeah. And then the gravy just kind of splits and goes everywhere because, like, the, the potatoes right. can't hold them. Right. I but do that's that, not going to happen because you're hosting. That's true. I do think it's an important step when you're making mashed potatoes, whether you're Yukons or whatever, put them back in the hot pot, move them about a little bit, and yeah. let all that excess moisture steam off. And it's not a joke when you read in a recipe to not let the potatoes cool before passing them through the rice or the food mill because – there are some things that in recipes I'm like, that's kind of BS. Mm -hmm. I don't really care. I'm going to see what happens. It, it really doesn't work. So make sure they're hot, you're saying. Make sure they're hot. Okay. I don't even want to get into the science because I don't understand science. But all right. <laughs> so we have the mashed potatoes. We have the gravy. We're in a good place. I could just have be done. Yes, exactly. Do we do turkey or do we do stuffing first? Which one do you want to do? I feel like turkey's more, more dear. Okay. I'm going to beat you to the punch on this one because – I think I wrote about this in my editor's letter, but last year I did. All right, so here's what I did. This is not conventional. Yeah. Went to Florence Meat Market down on Jones Street, and I said, Maria, can you, like a 14-pound bird, can you take the breasts off? I, I told her I, I want to take the, I want to braise the legs and thighs and then roast the, the breast separately. So she's like, sure, Adam, I can do, how about we take the breast meat, we're going to fill it with like, herbs and prosciutto and roll it up like a little christmas log wow maybe even had a little like prosciutto or bacon on the outside i'm like whoa that maria cool. yeah. all right and then i had the legs and thighs and what i did with those so i roasted the the, the boneless turkey breast separately and it came out nicely you know you get sure. an exact temperature you want with the thermometer you, you slice it like a meatloaf it's yeah. very easy the legs and thighs what i did and we have a basically a recipe in here uh that essentially does this but there's you know different ways you can do this you brown uh, the legs and thighs in a pan you take them out you throw in a bunch of aromatics mm -hmm. um whether that's onions carrots the usual jazz your regular braised stuff i threw in some nice uh cipollini onions as well, as you do as well yes but this was more for eating than for aromaticizing right um and then uh not, a, not a word no. by the way. <laughs> deglazed with some white wine threw in some stock put the chicken the nicely golden brown chicken part turkey parts in there some of these little cipollini onions put it in a uh, staub 
Dutch oven, put that in the oven. For, you, what was your liquid? Oh, I said turkey stock. Oh, turkey stock. Yeah, and okay. some wine also. Good. Um, and then probably did it for like three hours at maybe 300, as I would do like short ribs or whatever. Took the top off, super tender. Let it go for about another half hour with the top off. And then as you know, I like to hit it with the broiler at the end. Loves a broiler. So they get all crispy. And then when it's time to serve, I just... I mean, the meat, the meat is literally falling off the bone. And so I'm it's kind of like, like pulled turkey. I like to say turkey carnitas. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's just like pulling off the chip, these sh- crispy, juicy shreds, and you put it all on a platter with these chipoli- glazed chipolini onions, and I'm ladling that beautiful stock from the pot all over it. Oh, my God. It was just like the moistest, like juiciest, crispiest. It's everything that turkey is not. I was like, hey, man, that little rolled up, prosciutto turkey loaf over there that's cool but this this, but i mean my head let me ask you a question what did you do with the skin well the skin is still because i said because i hit it with the broiler you hit it with the broiler but the top skin is still crispy so that was being pulled apart and sort of mixed in with the shredded turkey meat uh and then you know and people always like oh i want some white meat i'm gonna slice my little turkey loaf thing and it was fine right and it was good for sandwiches the next day but i mean the, the 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 braised thighs and legs totally won won the day. I mean, the dark meat is just like so perfect for that. It is because I I perfectly my dad always liked dark meat growing up, and I never understood because oftentimes when he would roast the whole turkey, the dark meat was always a little tough, or you know if the breasts were done, the the dark meat wasn't quite done. Right. And I was like I never really understood it. Yeah. But I I think it's because we were not treating them properly. But also the leg of a turkey is like, you know, it's doing a lot of work. It's carrying that big, yes. big breasted turkey all yes, around which, town. Which is why <laughs> you need to like cook it down. You got to break it down, man. I mean, that's smart on a lot of levels because really you and you just said it when the breast is done, the legs are a little under. And when the legs are done, the breast is over. And then you have a, a, a lifetime of American history of complaining that turkey is dry and this is ex- exactly why any butcher will separate the breast from the legs for you yeah. and you can roast the turkey breast and braise yeah. the and legs just roast the turkey breast and as you you're would. bringing out the best in both of the things it's so I'm, I'm i'm endorsing that this year uh the one thing that we say in the magazine i, I said i highly recommend that you do it this way roast the breast separately braise the legs um emil stonic uh one of our editors was just writing about regardless of how you do it all you need is a salt and sugar brine, a dry brine. Like Very you true. don't need to soak it in the bathtub or the Coleman cooler overnight and put it in the garage. You don't need to inject it with marinades. Uh, he was saying for a, we're talking about this about a, how many pound? It's probably a 14 pound bird we're generally talking Usually about. Usually 12 to 14. Um, so it was yeah. three quarter cup diamond crystal or seven tablespoons Morton. Not all salts are the same, yeah. guys. So check your box. And three tablespoons of light brown sugar. We're saying do it at least 12 hours ahead of time, up to two days. And you just want it uncovered mm-hmm. in the fridge. So it, it, you want that skin to kind of like dry out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like, I mean, if you've ever, I've never made pecan duck, but you want that. And that's when you use a bicycle pump and everything. And this is totally getting <laughs> off base. Yeah, but you, you want need like a combi oven yeah, at that point. Yeah, but that's like, but it's the dry skin that's going to give you a nice crisp bird. Yes. So, yeah, so I, let's do that. Let's separate the breasts and thighs this year again. I could do that. I'm going to spatchcock. That's just oh, what I do. And I grill too. But I will do the dry brine. I always do the dry brine. Yeah, the dry brine is critical. Exactly. And easy. I like to pick up the turkey. I'm trying to remember. Tur- twos- turkey Tuesday. Mm. I think I pick up my turkey on Tuesday. Makes sense. I bring it home. 
I brine it. That I, night? I That evening. Yeah. I hope it's cold enough to put it in the cooler because I don't really have room for it in the refrigerator. Mm. And so then that's like a day and a half to two days. Yeah, and then Wednesday. It's about a day and a half till cooking time. Right. So then Wednesday night, I take Wednesday off of work, just FYI. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm letting you know right now. And then Wednesday evening, take the brine off and let it sit uncovered for another night. Hmm. So get really dried out, but not too seasoned. Okay. And then I cook it during the day. This is another thing. I just believe in, you believe in room temperature roast chicken. I believe in a room temperature roast turkey. When, I'm not going to be grilling the turkey when, mm, like, everybody's over. Yeah, so like, so what time are you grilling? What time are the people coming like over? If, grilling a turkey, first of all, takes about 90 minutes, which is amazing. Because it's flattened. And you, it's it's flattened. You, spatchcock, and, you take the backbone yeah, out. Do all the that. whole thing. And are you doing charcoal or gas grill? Charcoal. Okay. And then doesn't don't you run the risk of burning it in terms of heat control and no because charcoal? you put it you do indirect heat and you put oh. it over the other side and it gets you don't even have to put it ever skin side down it rests on the bone the internal uh-huh. side on the indirect heat covered I know you have a whole thing if you cover the grill it's not grilling but you're wrong oh, and I then this case the smoke like goes over the skin side and it comes out the most amazing beautiful color you're saying you keep it to one side or you do the thing where you put it in the center and then you have a ring of coals you could do it either way i always bank it just because it's like what i know you just need a big enough grill that allows you to do that yeah all right it sounds tasty but if you do that yeah you don't have drippings for your for your gravy that's okay because i can make this great turkey stock and then Mm. i don't really need those pan drippings all right let's talk stuffing i love stuffing and it's always one of those things you're like why do i only eat this once a year it's, it's true. It's so good. And you're like, what? and then every year you ask yourself that. And then every year, it's like a year later, you're like, damn it. I didn't eat something again for another year. I think it's because you don't have that many opportunities to just throw a couple sticks of butter around just <laughs> wantonly. All right. So last year, I made a mistake. Right. Uh-oh. In the past, I'd always used or always had my mom's Thanksgiving recipe for stuffing recipe, Maxine's stuffing, which I believe we have on bonatite.com. I wrote about it years ago in the Ed Letter. Uh, and Cher's is old school. Jimmy Dean sausage, mm. uh, Pepperidge Farm bag of breadcrumbs, seasoned breadcrumbs. And you got like your you know, your celery and onions. Got the giblets mixed up in there, ground up with the – she always had her, her mother's old-fashioned meat grinder that you would attach to the side of the table. You no know? way. Yeah, it was awesome. So she's grinding – that was like giblets. The, the, the liver and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah sure. I know what giblets yeah. are. But like she's grinding up giblets but buying pre-made breadcrumbs? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because <laughs> that's how you do it. And the Jimmy Dean sausage, which is the best. And like basically, you get your chicken stock, and like it's just awesome. So last year, I was like, I wanted to get my brother involved, Andrew Rappaport. And as you might know, he's a bread enthusiast. Oh, he's been a guest on the, on the I, food I cast. listened to that. Yeah. He and Claire run deep on homemade sourdough bread. Uh, and Andy's bread is gorgeous. Uh, it's got, you know, it's those round boules with the slashes and designs on top. And you're like, it looks amazing. And it is really, really good. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I got an idea. Yeah. So everyone can get involved. Bring your bread. We'll make the stuffing out of that. We'll tear it up. Yeah. Dry it out. You know, shards of homemade sourdough. Yeah. And then I made it. And I had like, I might have used, I think I used Italian sausage this time. I was going a little fancy and maybe there was some sage in there. But uh, lots of stock, lots of butter. It was really sourdoughy. Oh. And I was like, that was a mistake. But how do you feel about sourdough on a regular day? 
Do you know how, I don't want to get me started. Exactly. I've already gone. But like you don't accept the the flavor of your stuffing should not be sourdough. It should be buttery and sausagey and bready and celery. It should not be like, oh, I'm in San Francisco eating sourdough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> San Francisco's going to start writing me letters. Um, I know. I wanted to be like, I apologize. <laughs> San Francisco. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't use sourdough. I totally would use sourdough. Yeah, I would. I would use a crusty country loaf i would use yes i would i would 100 percent. just because you're the test direct test kitchen director <laughs> no but yeah title? keep going food doesn't director. matter food uh-huh. director doesn't mean you're always right that's right and just because you're the eic doesn't mean i'm always going to agree with you that's true but i'm always right uh so anyways <laughs> so all right but i will say this can we can we both agree on this i don't know <laughs> that cornbread it's crumbly. <laughs> the key to any great stuffing, whether you're using Jimmy Dean's or Italian or, you know, or you got mushrooms in there or whatever, again, mm-hmm. you need more moisture than you think. You got to use late, just ladle that turkey or chicken stock in there. Ladle no after ladle. No joke. And also the butter. The butter and the stock. Because it's going to be in that oven, uncovered, and that it's going to evaporate. And you want that super crusty, golden, buttery, crispy on top, but tender and moist inside but the down corners are the Ooh, best the, down the corners. under corners unless you happen to be baking it in a oval or round dish and there are no corners oh but the bottom edge of the pan yes. i guess yeah, where yeah. the walls meet the floor you know what <laughs> i'm talking about meet, i do know that <laughs> uh but yeah so i i do think yeah always use always have a lot of warm stock on hand as yeah. you're making it um, and you're gonna, it's gonna be more than you think. Yeah, here we go. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Stuffing. I named that. See, I like breakfast sausage. I think I would go with breakfast sausage instead of breakfast sausage. Italian I like sausage. because it's got it's got that sweetness and it already has the sage usually in it. So it is sweet, it's salty, and it's sagey. So I yeah. think that's your Jimmy Dean. And this, all right, and this calls for three eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I said, so explain the eggs and why. I think you it's add. helping bind everything together and it gives it that the baked part has like a custardy texture. It's also adding fat and richness. I think the fat is really important. The amount of liquid and the amount of fat. Yeah. For crispiness. Like the liquid is going to help make sure that you never have a dry stuffing and that it's moist. And then you also use, you sort of. You mentioned it, but yeah, you, you sped right past it. Another key moment is drying out or staling your bread. Because staling, you, I like that. Yeah, is that a you nice have to, word? I don't know. You have to uh, remove the moisture from the bread so that the bread can absorb the moisture that you give it. If you don't dry out the bread, it will just get mushy. Mushy, yeah, it's not good. All right, stuffing, mashed potatoes, gravy, Turkey two ways, or three ways, actually. You got the breast, you got the thighs braised, and then if you want to do it Carlo's way, you spatchcock it on the grill. All of these recipes are available on bonappetit.com. I personally, I don't care about dessert, but I have a feeling you might. You, ha- I mean, you obviously have to have dessert. You Well, ex- you have to have it, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not making dessert. For those of you who care about dessert, like normal patriotic mm. Americans, mm. we have three different desserts at the Lolly Music Household. There's always a fruit something. Apple galette, apple pie. I I have made our the salted butter, vanilla, bean, apple galette like a million times. It's a classic recipe. The one in Bonaparte that's gotten a gazillion a ga- views. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's a classic. Yeah. It's an Allison Roman, you know, all-star recipe. It's great. And then we have one in this, this yeah, issue this called year, Deep Dish Apple Pie. The Deep Dish Apple Pie, which I my, my parents are subscribers, of course. And my dad sent me an email. And uh, this is, he is interested in 
someone making this pie for him on Thanksgiving. <laughs> but not so, him. <laughs> no, definitely not. And this is a double crusted mile high apple pie that is really, really good. I'm afraid that I'm going to screw it up and Why? do Claire Saffitz wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a pretty good baker. I can do it. And when you say double crusted, it just means it has like a roof, like you're looking at the Astrodome or something. Yeah, yeah it's not a like a galette is just a bottom crust yeah. folded over. This yeah. is like you layer the dish with the bottom crust, you blind bake that, you make the filling, you pile it high, yeah. you do the top. I don't know. I'm intimidated. I'm, but not, I'm not doing that. I might assign it to Carol because she's go. a great okay. pie maker. Yeah, get mom on it. And then pumpkin pie, and I could care less. I do not care about pumpkin pie. Pies travel well. They do. Um, and then you said chocolate pecan earlier today. Definitely believe in having a nut, nut caramel yeah. something. Love that. That's my that's my jam. Whipped cream. Yeah, I like a a dollop mm-hmm. of maybe I'll throw a little vanilla in the whipped cream. Mm-hmm. Maybe a suggestion of powdered sugar, but mm-hmm. I, I don't need the whipped cream to be sweet. I mean, no, like pecan kinda... pecan pie is like the sweetest thing in the world. Um, you don't need like sweet toppings, and I, I'd rather I'd rather have whipped cream than like vanilla ice cream. Me too. Yeah. But some people really do want the ice cream. You have to have it. Well, they're not going to have it in my house. <laughs> they're not even getting dessert at your house unless they bring their own. They could have seconds of stuffing. <laughs> Carla, music. Thank you so much. Thank you. Remember, when I reached out to you about writing this piece, I had a pretty clear idea of what I hoped the piece would be. When you accepted the assignment, what did you hope the piece would be? I really didn't know yet. I just, like, on the the hierarchy of things I think about all year round, Thanksgiving is very high, (laughs) as is my family. Kind of new into this freelance world, I was kind of thinking about what would I like to spend time doing. And I didn't didn't 100% know. I'm not... I knew I wasn't going to write 3,000 words on my food expertise, (laughs) but I have an infinite amount of words to give on my family expertise and my role in the family, so it kind of started to make sense pretty quickly. It wasn't immediate, but it all kind of just happened. Like pretty, it just kind of flowed out, and I was happy about that. Yeah, it was interesting. So we every year we've done like a Thanksgiving essay in the middle of the magazine, and I've always enjoyed the pieces that we've done because they're about that particular author's experience of what Thanksgiving means to him or her. And we've had people like Patty Smith and Michael Shabon write about it. Uh, and I was like, oh, Rembert, Rembert would be good. And, you know, and, my, t- my two peers, Patty Smith and yeah, Michael Shabon. You, know, you, you got the poster coming. It's on its way. It, I think FedEx got the wrong address or something. Hey, this is this is good. It's like um, I'm I'm excited for what's ahead, based off of what's happened to my peers over the course of their lives. All right, so talk about so talk about the piece in terms of what because you use your family's experience to sort of shed a light on a, a bigger a, yeah. American experience. Yeah. So it actually the true background of the piece is that me and um, uh, my cousin Aaron, uh, who's a couple years older than me, early one of the the first fun things that I ever did on Facebook. This is like oh five, oh six, oh seven when it began. Is that we would sit in the corner in my mother's house or her parents' house and just like write down the way the conversations ebbed and flowed over the course of thanksgiving and we were just like we would like literally list them and then we started putting them into this like facebook note which was like early blog post basically this was before i ever thought that i would be a a writer professionally i was in college at the time and people like would always comment on these notes they're like Like, what what like give me give me some examples like it would be like it would it it wasn't like paragraphs it would just be like like first it would just be like mike vick 
and then number two would be like Atlanta Mayor's Race, and then number three would be like something about Beyonce, and then number four would be like like the criminal justice system. Like it was just like it would just go all over the place. But it was hysterical because my family is like a very smart, very funny very filterless at times family and we were just like this is this is like the greatest evolving conversation and we would so we had like eight years of these Facebook notes so you could see what would come up every year you would see the things that would come in and out I think I wrote in the piece like there was there was conversations before Obama and yeah. then Obama began to take over you had you had if I may I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a little bit uh you talked about how 2008 may have been the greatest Thanksgiving in black history since 1865. Yeah, since slavery ended. <laughs> it was the best. And you say, and you write, Obama had been a staple in our yearly conversations since his 2004 DNC speech alongside Mike Vick, Anti, Denzel getting robbed from Malcolm X, something about Beyonce, Your Majesty, yes. that girl named Ladasha, spelled L-A-A, <laughs> And arguments over when specific family events happened between the years of 1955 and 1973. Yeah, that's pretty much like that's like. Oh wait, but the next sentence is good also. At some point, someone mentioned that the first family should get a pit bull, which was followed by a discussion of Warren Sapp on Dancing with the Stars. It was the best year of my life. I mean, that's the funny thing about Thanksgiving. If you get the right sort of constellation of people together, the conversation is like the buffet of food. It's it's, in, it's incredible, you know, and like everyone kind of has that thing that they always go back to. Like my uncle likes to sometimes just like pretend he's like a conservative Republican and just like just, and just to like, stir the pot, just to stir up the pot. It's like he's like throwing in cayenne pepper. Like he's just like <laughs> he's just like annoyed that everyone's on the same side. Like everyone has their lanes, and so yeah, like it's it's also very funny that even with new stuff like there's still those things that we never it's as if we're having the conversation for the first time like you get certain clicks of those people together a lot but having the whole family together that are, that really only happens once so yeah sorry so so figuratively set the table for us where where are you guys gathering who all is there okay so the difference in our family between thanksgiving and christmas is christmas is kind of like a household by household Mm -hmm. yeah. Thanksgiving is everyone our house and my mom goes through this and is this like we're in kind of suburban Atlanta or it's like it's my, my, my mom lives um, on the south side of Atlanta uh, by the airport okay. and um, so still Atlanta uh, my mom like the day before I love getting there on Wednesday because I can watch my mom do this almost like geometric puzzle of like envisioning where everyone's gonna sit mm. It's like special ops the day before. It's it's incredible. Like my mom has all these like these four seater card tables. Oh yeah. And she sets them up considering like how far chairs need to get pushed out so there's still walking room. Like yeah. it's 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 like a work of art. Now there's like a lot of kids. So my mom factors in that all the she just puts all the like all the kids upstairs, has like trays for all the kids. So a lot of people, I'd say like seventy percent of the people are eating in like the main living room. And so how many is that? Those are grown how many grown ups are we talking? We're talking like thirty five. Thirty five. And you also mentioned that there's like it's, it's not exactly gender balanced. Oh no no no. It's like there's like a six to one woman man ratio in <laughs> our family. It's it's beautiful. It's uh like for a while it was it was basically like me there's a lot of single mothers and mm -hmm. that hat and then many people just had daughters so mm -hmm. it's like me and then my mother has a brother and he had a son and then so a lot in a lot of family things it's just us three 
and then just all women. So, like, so how loud does it get in that room? It's it's louder than the it's louder than a loud television. Like it's like the tele- <laughs> the TV is like on. Like there's typically football on, but it's very much just like a backdrop before the meal. It's often loud in the kitchen. There's a lot of a lot of chaos about like who because some people come and they need to like reheat their food. Oh, dude, that's the worst. That's oven like, space. No, no. Like it's it's got to be re- it's got to be ready to go. You you, you don't get oven space. Yeah. yeah. But it goes from like excitedly loud to like annoyed loud when because the, the the magic hour is always like four p.m. Yeah, but di- dinner never actually starts. But at 4 like PM. around four forty-five, it goes to like people like either getting quiet because they're just hungry and angry, mm-hmm. or people getting like loud because they're annoyed and trying to trying to convince us to start without someone. And then around five thirty p.m. in the run of your <laughs> essay, you threw a particular aunt under the bus. My friends know about my aunt because my aunt is the most like fabulous woman. My aunt is like what Tina Knowles wants to be when she grows up. She's like just like the flyest woman. She will stunt on everyone with her outfit to just like Thanksgiving, and it just takes her a little longer to <laughs> leave the house. But to her defense, and I, you know, I'm covering my. Tra- I, I'm basically risking my life to write this. Yeah, piece. you don't mention her name, but it's pretty clear who you're talking about because <laughs> you said she arrives, she honks, and with little in- with little intention of carrying the food inside by herself because she is equal parts Cleopatra, Patti LaBelle, yes. Nefertiti, and <laughs> Tina Knowles. <laughs> I love I love my aunt. A great thing about my family is furs, fur coats. Oh, yeah. Big fur coat family. Even in Atlanta. Even in Atlanta, even when it's not that cold yet. <laughs> no. I guarantee um, my aunt used to, uh, when when this is the aunt that when my mom would have to work, she would drop me off at my aunt's house. So this is and, your mom's sister. Yeah, this yeah, is my okay. mom. And so this is also all my entire, this is all my mother's side. Yeah. My aunt, um, she was like, huh, like, I've got Rembrandt for a Saturday. I'm going to just let him, I'm going to take him to the fur warehouse and just let him run around <laughs> and wear fur. So like, I, I love, I love my aunt. <clears throat> so this aunt who shall remain nameless, she, she makes an entrance. She makes an entrance, but she also comes with eight dishes. Yeah. So, like, it's not like she comes late empty-handed. She comes with the greens. But then you say, but running out of the kitchen, I get a kiss from my aunt as she walks through the door, only seconds away from Cyclops-level side-eye via her younger sister, known as my mom. Yeah. So your mom every year is like, really? Again, we're, we're doing this? Not just Thanksgiving, like every day. <laughs> it's like the most beautiful sister relationship, but also just like, really? Like, we're, we're, we're into how many decades of this? But it's, like, it's never going to change. Yeah, I love it. No, they're not changing at this age. Um, okay, so so you got the food. Got the food. So this is interesting. So the, there's the title of the piece is derived from when you finally gather around to say grace. Yeah. I can't remember what year it was. I remember it being the latest Thanksgiving it ever started. That's all I remember about that year. And my uncle, who is a great man, pastor of a church in Atlanta. So he likes to talk. He likes to talk, but... Also, like his his day job is talking, so mm-hmm. you know, like he Thanksgiving, <laughs> he, he likes to eat, and he's also like, this is my day off. Like, I'm not trying to necessarily be a preacher today. Like, I have to be a preacher all the time. I wouldn't even call him the patriarch because mm-hmm. there is no patriarch in our family. It's just like mini matriarchs. Yeah. But you know, it's kind of his role to you know make sure we're not like we go through another year not being complete heathens. Yeah. And so I just remember this year he was like especially furious that we hadn't started <laughs> eating yet. And like we we all, you know, this big family crowds around and you know, this is after years of really going in on saying grace, you know, maybe like two, three minutes. Yeah. 
like everyone held hands, closed eyes, and he was just like, thank you, God, for this food. Amen. And I opened my eyes, and he had already started walking (laughs) (laughs) towards the first plate, and everyone died laughing. And he was just like, I can't, I'm not playing with y'all. I'm hungry. I can't stand y'all. It was the best. I, I, I think about it every Thanksgiving. All right, so you guys finally sit down. So you talk about your plate, and I was interested. I was like, wait a minute, you have ham and turkey and meatloaf? Ham, turkey, meatloaf. Meatloaf is genius. I've done ham on Thanksgiving, but I'm like, meatloaf? I didn't know that, I didn't know that was an option. So my Auntie Ava uh, makes two meatloafs, one for the family and one for me. Ooh. How often, and this happens in a lot of families, and I don't know about yours, how often are there like serious arguments where like it gets ugly or like, you know what I mean? Or it doesn't, I feel like the serious arguments happen the other 364 days of the year. <laughs> like for some reason, like there's lots of like banter and going back and forth and like like stubborn people with really strong opinions on opposite sides. But it, for some reason, it never gets mean yeah. on Thanksgiving. Other than you, does anyone drink too much at Thanksgiving? <laughs> it's almost like there's not enough time. My mother makes this uh, frappe. You know about frappe? <laughs> I, I do. I, I maybe. So I here's know. the thing. There's lots of things that I have no idea my mom just made these names up. She might have. So what? what, what is your mom's? what's your mom's first name? Charlene. Okay. Charlene. Yeah. How do you spell that? C-H-A-R-L-Y-N. Oh, okay. So or, what, what or is, Dr. Brown, what, Professor Brown. Well, that's even better. So yeah. what is Dr. Brown? There's a soda company. Dr. Yeah. Brown's Frappe. What does that include? It's basically like a, a, an entire case of lemon-lime sherbet. Okay. We're good start. And ginger ale. Oh, okay. Yeah. And just mixed up. Oh. Does she serve it like in a punch bowl? And like a gigantic, like four-year-old, like a like a four-year-old human size punch bowl. <laughs> it's like it's like like every year, and it's like it's like ornate and glass. And every year, I have to like carry it from um, from the kitchen to its place. It has a place. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm it's it's always like this. I'm like, please don't trip up. Um, so there's a big one of those. There's um, that usually gets just run through super quickly, and she has to make another one, and then a uh, a a regular sweet tea, and then a cinnamon tea, and then, and then like there's like uh, a collection of four or five people that like very quietly in the kitchen are drinking, <laughs> <laughs> and um, in my later years, um, I feel like like the the, the drinking age in yeah. my family at a holiday event is like 28. <laughs> Like when I was 21, 22, 23, like I was like, it was like not okay for me to drink. Like I had to be 27. So let's talk about the, the writing of this piece. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously a big fan of your writing. I think it's a wildly entertaining piece. Uh, it's, it's touching. It's funny. Um, what's interesting, I think, about this piece is that in one respect, you're like, all right, I'm going to write about Black Thanksgiving, capital B, capital yeah. T, for an audience that is probably not black. I'm also going to write about my own family's thanksgiving and what that means to me personally and i was just curious as a writer how did you kind of go about wanting to strike both those cores and connect with what you knew were gonna be two different audiences i have very little success in trying to appease 
different types of people, you know, like I, in my head, in my head, I was like, I want to write a good piece. Yeah. First off, it's kind of this, you know, walking a line of, I don't want to, you know, hold the reader's hand and like explain, like, I don't need to like sit here and explain like what it, what it means to be black. I don't want to dumb it down. Yeah. I want it to be accessible. I was obviously very happy to get positive feedback from people I know and don't know that are black. That's like, that's like a, that's like a high, that's a very high priority on my list. Like pretty much all the time because like it would be very weird people like yeah like i'm i'm black and i'm from this and i'm from atlanta and i and this sounds weird you know that would be a a weird comment but it was much less about trying to really target an audience and more as like i think i think this is like a very interesting story because family is you know like it's universal it's 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 universal but it's also like i think that's why i added in this i think it would be a very different piece if it didn't take like a wild pivot having that moment where you realize that you were turning into an adult in your own family like that's a very universal yeah so the piece three quarters of the way through pivots in a way that i you're like hey i'm i'm 30 now and at some point this is going to be my thanksgiving and i better sort of like wake up to that yeah if i would if i had written if you had asked me to write this last year like i would not have had that last part because like this is like a very new moment it it would have been like yeah thanksgiving's great because like i'm around my family i don't really have to do anything and it's great it's all good it's like there's been a new between between me and things that have been going on in my life and my cousin aaron who just had a kid it's like we both are like having this like kind of newfound responsibility we also are two people in our family that currently don't live in atlanta but are like kind of know based off of our connection to our family like are gonna be more involved than not involved yeah. in, you know, our generation in the family and, you know, the the children and everything that come under us. Like, like my mom's never been like, this is going to be your family one day. So, you know, like, take the reins. It's just like the same thing happened to her. Question. Do you know how to make <clears throat> her famous mac and cheese? I don't. Uh, I don't know if I told you that I, I, I might have texted you the note my mom gave about her recipe it was she was just like nine parts cheese to noodles <laughs> good place to start i do not know how to make it i know exactly what it needs to taste well you know like. what you're going to learn this and this month to do i mean like this is like there's you've no got to learn that cuz that's something you can make it home yes. you got to learn how to make that and the meatloaf yeah there's like also in writing this like there's no turning i sometimes i think i write things out of out of like accountability's sake after writing this like i can't go back like i can't not learn how to make things yeah you put it on paper what I put it on paper now you, you mentioned that your mom went out and bought seven copies of, of this <laughs> yeah, issue. my mom is out, out here like helping conde's <laughs> stock uh, help, um what uh, did you what sort of feedback did you get from her or any of your aunts? Because it was it was in uh, the print before online, yeah. and what I found out was happening was my mom was calling friends and reading it to oh, them, no. <laughs> <laughs> which is just straight up the best thing I've ever heard. Like 2017, <laughs> that is the type of media that I want. I want so my mom's best friend, um, this woman named Janice, my god, one of my godmothers who. My mother and Janice have known each other since they were, I think, three, still best friends. And I got a text from Janice. Um, At least Janice knows how to text. Yes. Oh, Janice knows. <laughs> Jan- Janice is great. Uh, Janice has also been involved in other stories I've written. Like my 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 mom and my and between my mom, my aunts, and her like best friends, it's just like material forever because yeah. they're all incredible. But Janice sent me this 
text basically being like, my mom, your, your mom read um, read me the piece. It was beautiful. Like I laughed, I cried. Also, like you know, your aunt's gonna be mad at you, and like you, when you come home for Thanksgiving, like you need to like get ready to fight. <laughs> and I was like, you're right, Janice. I know. Like I, you know, like I think I wouldn't. I would never describe my family as like a family of prominence in terms of like wealth or. Um, like political power or mm-hmm. anything like that, but just in terms of how many of the us there are, and like lots of my family members are very like involved in public sector, like education and the churches, and it's a it's a it's an important family. Yeah. They, have a, they, I, have, they have a presence. Yeah, we have a presence in Atlanta, and especially on the south side of Atlanta. My like my grandparents were in Atlanta, and my mom went to high school. Like all of my aunts yeah. and uncles, like they all went to high school in Atlanta. So like we've been there for a long time. So I enjoy being. You know, these are the stories that you don't want to get lost. Something it excites me. Atlanta's like a very transplant city, mm-hmm. um, so I I take a lot of pride in having a family that's been there for generations because like there's a lot of institutional memory with the city, and I also think that's true in events like Thanksgiving in some of these dishes that have they're being made the same way for like generations now. Before we let you go, we're gonna do a quick Thanksgiving lightning round. Cool. All yes. right, either or yes. questions. Collards or Brussels sprouts? Collards. Is, like, there, is there pork products in the collards? Yes. Yes. Um, you look at me like, yes. yes. Um, and no Brussels sprouts at our Thanksgiving. Oh. But my aunt that, um, I know this is lightning round, but my aunt that comes late, like, she does the collars. They're the best collars I've ever had. Like my, we have, I have a Friendsgiving on, uh, on Friday uh, with a lot of my friends from high school. And my friends, like, request that I bring my aunt's collars oh. to Thanksgiving because they're that good. They're that good. Set the table or clear the table? Clear the table because I get to eat <laughs> while, I clear, <laughs> while I clear the table. There I make another plate while I clear. Pecan or pumpkin? Pecan. Bacardi or Budweiser? Bacardi. It's like, like not, not my proudest moment. <laughs> Sofa or chair? Sofa. Oh, my God. Do you ever unbutton the top button in your pants? I don't. I'm wearing, no. I'm wearing, I'm, because it's at, my it's like the pleasure of like or the the benefit of having Thanksgiving at your mother's house. I'm like in I'm barefoot in sweatpants. Oh wow! <laughs> by two p.m. like like hours before <laughs> Thanksgiving even starts. Shawshank Redemption or Jerry Maguire? That VH1 Jackson's movie, <laughs> that, that five part miniseries. <laughs> like, and you're like, oh, I'll watch this. Something with Denzel in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Packers or Lions? Falcons. Oh, Falcons. But they don't play on Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. Oh, it's actually no. Um, it's uh, Lions. Uh, I have I have some family that has some some Detroit All connections. Right. Um, mashed potatoes or mashed sweet potatoes? More mashed sweet potatoes, but yams. Yeah. Okay. Yams. Final question. And I think I'm pretty sure I already know the answer. Cheddar or Velveeta? Velveeta. I have I literally have no idea what cheddar cheese is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just assuming it's a cheese because it's next to Velveeta. <laughs> All right, Reverend Brown. Thank you very much. Thanks, Adam. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and produced and edited by Emma Wartsman. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Gradies, with additional music by Nathaniel Wartsman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.